Hey, Peter. Drew's at the doctor's because he's an old man and falling apart, I assume. I don't actually don't know why he's there. He's a skipper. He is too cool for podcasting. Whatever. But we do have a guest. Guest, would you please introduce yourself? Hello, all. Uh, my name is Will. I'm an IT manager for uh, a school district. Um, thank you for having me on. Hey, no problem. Glad to have you on. That sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I'm assuming your district is kind of large. Uh, so our student population is, I think, roughly 13,500. So we're classified, I believe, as a medium-sized school district, medium to medium-large. Medium-large. Oh. Okay. Okay. That sounds like a lot of work. Like thirteen thousand five hundred students, and you. And there's a wire to every one that he has to manage. Yes, or not a wire. <laughs> or, or wireless. Or a wireless. There's a wire. There's a lack of yeah. wire to every one. That it just seems like a much harder job than it was like whenever I was in college. When they didn't have the internet. We had the internet. I was in college. Shut I... up. <laughs> Rude. I know you did. Well, I you... mean, I I graduated high school nine years ago, and we barely had, uh, we didn't have any computer devices in, in any of the classrooms. Oh. Uh, we had about one or two computer labs. And, so in the last uh, now, 10 years, it's exploded. Yeah, because well, yeah. now, every... now we're a one-to-one school district, so every kid, uh, no matter what classroom or area of a school they go to, they have a device. Um, so it has increased exponentially. That's very different. It seems like a very different high school experience than I had because we were like passing notes and stuff. Mm. Right. Yeah, we had yeah. one computer lab in my high school. I don't even remember. And we started the computer club so that we could play oh, yeah, I Doom, I think it was, or Quake, oh, on, Quake on, a, yeah. on a network, on a LAN. Yeah, yeah. I, we block all that now because uh, oh. you know, waste our precious resources. Oh. <laughs> my childhood up in Ashes, but now they can just play online, so it doesn't really matter. Right. You know, I, we had dial-up AOL, but, you know. Day, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, well, good to have you on, Will. <laughs> Your job sounds I, difficult. I was having flashbacks to Oregon Trail, and I was thinking, wow, that person had yeah. a way different experience than this person had. You know, there's a, there's a board game for Oregon Trail. I don't care about that. Yeah, you basically die. <laughs> you always die at Oregon Trail. Exactly. Well, at least you got to hunt stuff. Which you don't get to do in the board game. So, well, yeah. Anyway, good. moving on. Okay. Back on topic. I'm as bad as anybody else, so it's no judgment here. Uh, so, Will, you graduated high school nine years ago. I graduated high school 11... No. Shut up. <laughs> 21 years ago. Don't you teach math or something? <laughs> I was like, no, no it's my, I did, uh, back it's in the my day. 20 years, it's your 21. Yeah, I graduated high school 21 years ago. Uh, so you're about halfway in between me and my students. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be about right, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I could probably still relate to you. Right, I am unrelatable. I am like the old man with bushy eyebrows that come out three inches and hair <laughs> sprouting from my ears. Yeah, when I heard it... I hope for my, my sanity that uh, I can relate. <laughs> well, today, uh, not that old. my students realized how old I was today when I told them that, like, I remember when Wikipedia, like, was born. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, wait, you were around when it first happened? And I'm like, yeah, it was brand new. And everyone's like, what's Wikipedia? <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were like, really? They're like, when was that? And then when I mentioned that, like, I thought it was like in the early 2000s. Is it in the 90s? Oh, it might have been. I didn't hear about it until like 2001. Okay. And they were like, 
Oh, I assumed it was like had been around like since the eighties, and I'm like, oh lord. Man, the internet really wasn't around in the eighties. Yeah, 80s. dude. <laughs> anyway. But anyway. <laughs> so, what was it like for you going from high school to college? And right. it might make a lot of, it made a little bit of sense to tell us like kind of what scale of school you went to. Yeah. I suppose you could actually tell us where you went to if you wanted to. It's probably a larger school, so it's not going to like pinpoint yeah, who you are. Won't be able to track me down. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh, a lot everybody of knows, and everybody knows. We don't have any privacy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I uh, attended uh, UCLA oh. for four years, where I got my bachelor's degree in um, international political political economy, um, which is it's very specific political science degree, basically. Um, and that changed uh, my major. I didn't come to that um, endpoint until three different times. Um, so when I, I went into UCLA as a pure mathematics uh, major, um, and that was a huge... Uh, big stepping stone going from uh, you know, K-12 environment to you know, higher education. And uh, so I switched to um, uh, an econ degree, and then from the econ I went to political science once I realized I liked more of the, uh, the theory-based um, cultural aspect uh, of economy, if there is that aspect to it. And so that's how I ended up with that. Um, but in terms of the transition, though, um, so going through high school, I graduated, if I remember, so long ago, sixth overall, um, and I went straight to UCLA. And the biggest adjustment was having to learn how to study all over again. Um, yeah. It wasn't something where you went to class and then you had homework every night uh, and you did the work and, you know, balance that amongst all the extracurriculars and uh you know, club activities and all those other things. Um, you were given, you know, two or three tests throughout the uh, quarter, and you had to figure out how you would learn the material. It wasn't a matter of just doing work and taking a test maybe once or two times a month. Um, it was, okay, you will have a test in a month and a half. Uh, good luck. And that was a huge uh, shock because there was no guidelines. And in, you know, a K-12 institution, you have a whole, you know, system of assignments, uh, classroom activities that you do or, you know, projects and everything kind of uh, has these deadlines. But, you know, you get to college and boom, three tests and you better do pretty good because if not, uh, you were screwed. So that was <laughs> really the big thing. And I think it took me until the beginning of my second year was when I said, okay, I finally know how to learn. And it's just, that's an interesting thing to think about. What does it mean to learn? And uh, you really don't think about it until you get to college. And, of course, you know, you still, even now, five years later, uh, still trying to figure out, you know, how to learn. And it's always good to, to keep learning. And uh, that is the one takeaway. If there's one thing I can take from colleges, it really sparked the uh, curiosity side of me. And... Uh, wanting to always learn and that's you know thankfully ucla taught me how to learn um just by being curious and whatnot so that was probably the biggest transition if you want to talk about academics from 12 to higher institutions 
So yeah, so that's that's I, I think a, a major thing, and I think I see students struggle with that. Oh yeah. Kind of daily, it seems like. I that. guess I mean when you articulate it like that, it makes sense. And this sounds so. I mean, I hate to be like I sound so dense. I'm like, oh, I never thought about it that way. But you're right. I, mean, I thought when he was talking, I was like, oh yeah, high school. I didn't really think about how to learn. I didn't even really. I mean, what I was learning was really just in service to like getting the grade and getting out. Right. But that was. I don't know what my goal was in high school, but I don't. I know it wasn't thinking about how to learn necessarily. Well, and yeah. like that, like you, you have all these things that are you know, pedagogically put in place to kind of force you as a student to, to go through the steps which we think are required cognitively for learning when you get here, like we don't really think about that. And we've lost sight of that because, well, you know, we went to college and, you know, Will, you said in the beginning of your second year, for me, it was like the beginning of my third year, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, like, so we're, we're there. And then, you know, you know, as college professors, we then go to grad school and we spend umpteen years in grad school mode. So we've already figured out how, how it works and we're already used to being in college and then we go to grad school, which is college plus. Right. And now we're here teaching it. So it's like, I haven't been out of college since I matriculated basically. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, when I graduated high school. So it's, it's been a long time, like 21 years since yeah. I went to college and I've been in college at some sense for that long. It's really easy to forget where students are coming from yeah well you yeah. also sound a bit more reflective than i was as a college student i don't remember ever thinking about how i was learning was different and maybe i just wasn't challenged enough wherever i was or whatever i don't know that I, it became a meta process for me really until i started teaching because then I had to think about it in a much different way because I wasn't just giving information, or I wasn't getting it. I was also trying to give out information, right? Yeah. And so then I had to really think about, well, what works for me? And I still do that a lot of times. I'm like, well, here's what I do. I mean, find your own method, whatever works. But, I mean, that I don't know. I'm not sure that I was that reflective as a college I, student. I think I thought about it in terms of, at the time anyway, in terms of just like time management. No. For me, it was just like went, like getting started early enough that I could get it done, finding yeah. the group of people that I could work with that were going to be sort of efficient and on task. I was always a really good organized student, so I didn't have to learn that part, if yeah. that makes sense. Like that part came really naturally. But I didn't think about how learning was different in high school versus college. And it is very different. I tell my students that now, but I don't think I was making I, those know, connections I, no. as a 19-year-old at all. Yeah, I don't think I did for... A long time. A long time. Long after I graduated college would, it, would I well, make that connection. But do you feel like your college professor has helped you make that connection? Or do you feel like that connection was expected for you to just make it on your own? It was right from the get-go. It was, okay, uh, figure it out, you okay. know. And uh, I think that's why I moved, uh, switched my major so much was, um, you know, there's definitely a weeding out process that occurs, yeah. um, you know, before you get to the upper division classes of any major and um, the mathematics program definitely weeded me out but I think <clears throat> I always look back and I go you know if I knew how to study and I knew the best the best ways to learn at least um, what I thought was I could have probably stuck it out and, and figured it out because with math in high school it was okay here's three or four assignments throughout the week um, you know, in calculus, you had to do, you know, these 20, 30 problems of, 
you know, differentiating these equations or whatnot. And then, you know, you bring them in, you get credit for them, and you have a test like end of the week or, you know, every two weeks, and it more or less has that material on there that you've mm -hmm. done your homework, and then, okay, you get an A. It wasn't like I'm really understanding or trying to grasp, like, what does it mean to, like, differentiate an right, equation or what right. kind of purpose does that serve? It was, oh, well, I have this equation. Well, I do, you know, step one, two, and three, and then I'm done. You don't understand, you know, why you're doing that process. And then, you know, you get to uh, college, and there's no incentive to do the homework. And I think that was probably the, the biggest thing. It was, like, um, going against – I mean, I would think a lot of first-year students is there's no incentive for you to do the work. So it's like, okay, well, if I can get by mm -hmm. and then take the midterm or take the final and, like, get a good grade, you know, pass at least, right. uh, okay, well, then – Great, but then it's kind of detrimental to your overall uh, arc as you go through your uh, program, your major, um, because then you don't have any of those foundational pieces in which to build off of. Um, and so I think that was the biggest thing was, how okay, well, how do I learn the material? You know, there's no one providing me uh, worksheets, assignments. You know, it's like, okay, here's the the textbook or like some of my political theory classes, it was like you had to figure out what these tools were to, uh, you know, explain like uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, for instance. Um, how do you apply the theory that you've been learning about in lecture, but then you have to take a step back and say, okay, well, what is this theory? What does it mean? There's no worksheet that goes with it. You know? <laughs> Good luck. you, you got to yeah. you know, study through the material study. that's provided. And I think the biggest thing for me was, uh, you know, you, you get in class at like 8 in the morning and then you're done at like 5 or some days at like 2 or 3 if it's a little earlier. And you just want to go back to your dorm and not study, right? You or not be in class. You, yeah. you want to go and relax and, oh, I'll take care of it later. And the procrastination just really snowballs. But right. the biggest thing I think that second year was like, okay, I need to go to the library and I need to expand on the material we just talked about mm -hmm. and kind of really grasp uh, some of these concepts as opposed to just going home and then you forget about it. And then you got to pull, you know, open the textbook three weeks later and like, wait, what was realist theory again? Mm -hmm. uh, Hold on, and, and then, then you already have three other concepts, and so yeah. it just snowballs. And you know, at that point, forget about it. <laughs> so, you, you, I think you're pointing out something which a couple, two different things. One is, uh, it's not quite rote memorization, but that's kind of where you're leaning towards in terms of like you you run the drill, right? You know, and you learn you learn how to work this form of the equation, and or you memorize the formulas or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's one mode, and, and there's a place for that. I'm not saying that there's none of that in any of my classes, but then... But we're trying to do more than that. We're trying right, to get the behind the why. Why right. does this formula work this way, and how can we move it into different things or whatever? I don't teach math, clearly. Right. Well, <laughs> well, well it's the same thing, like these underlying concepts and how do they relate to things which are are slightly different or mm -hmm. sometimes even really different. And, and you know, I remember running into those in... As an undergrad, like there is, like the exam always had, you know, some gimmies, some kind of work it through, and then a couple of questions were all like, often I felt like I look at me like, how is this even related yeah. to what we're talking about? 
So they're like trying to get you to apply something that you learned to something completely different. Yeah, but something we haven't talked at. about or in a situation we haven't talked about is like, what? You know, like which for for me as a college professor, like that means you actually know it. Right. You but can, as a student, you're like, this is trickery, unfair. Right. We didn't talk about this. It's like the con. We talked about the concept. You're applying it in different ways. Like. That wasn't on the study guide. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that the cube, like the theory for the, that you need to apply to the Cuban Missile Crisis, wasn't discussed in the context of the Cuban Missile Crisis. You right. have to be able to see the connections and see the the larger form of what's going on, and then apply it to a new situation. But it does, like Will, as you point out, it means you have to like actually dig into it. Right. You actually have to think about it yourself. You can't just listen to say my words about what I'm saying, be like, okay, I'll remember that. <laughs> you, have to, you have to generate the understanding yourself. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the biggest, I think, leap you have to make if you want to succeed, you know, at the, at the next level, is how, how do these concepts work uh, for various, uh, you know, events in history if we're talking about political science or you know how can you use these formulas to explain we're talking about statistics you know um, I'm a big baseball nerd so how does it explain the value of a player when it comes to baseball baseball but then also you can use those statistics to explain or uh, better predict like uh, weather pattern weather patterns or whatnot but mm -hmm. you know if you're given formulas like you do in high school and then it's like okay we'll solve for X well what what is X like what why do we care about X mm -hmm. you know you, you're never you never, don't discuss that um, and so when you get to college, it's like, oh, well, I got to figure out why we're doing this because now we're using the formulas for multiple uh, reasons to explain, you know, whatever we want to explain, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah, totally. And that's why I think students say stuff like, I'm never going to use this in real life. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They say that kind of stuff. And like, I'm never going to have to solve for X. But actually, if you give them some real-world situations, X becomes something you actually care about. Yeah, you never solve for X. You solve, solve for, for something which that you phone care plan about. is the yeah. most is the most uh, yeah. which cheapest. Which mortgage should I choose? Which mortgage should I choose? <laughs> which which car buying option should yes. I pick? You know, which uh, which like which canned beans or whatever is it that <laughs> I should buy? You know, yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah. Well, you, and then you got to do some basic division. You know, what's the best buy per ounce? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Which is nice, although sometimes I think about, and then college kind of forces you to uh, to do that. Yeah. Hmm. It just reminded me of like just this this week, uh, talking with students in physics. You're like, can you go over the right hand rule again? It's like, it's like, okay. First of all, we need to understand the right hand rule as we use it is a mathematical operation. It's a cross product, so it's a three dimensional thing, and we use it multiple times. We used it last semester. We use it multiple times this semester. It's like. So let me go back over this, like, the underlying math fits, like, four different situations. Oh. Right. So they yeah. really need to know that, and if they didn't learn it, then they're kind of yeah. Right, yeah, so it's like, you need to understand the right-hand rule, and, like, here I'm holding my hand really weird, and, like, you know, which finger corresponds to which thing, and that changes based on the context, so the mathematical operation is this thing that happens, but I apply it to, like, again, like, four different, it's four different very different situations yeah. you know so uh, so it's like wh why do i need to solve for x I, you, you don't you solve for another thing in a different context right. you know hmm. now i'm thinking a little bit here and we've we've talked about this before and i know that this part is supposed to help us kind of get at this but you know that essentially they're a high school student in may 
some of them are literally a minor at that point. And then come August, you're a college student, and most of them are age and majority adults. And then somehow you're expected to jump from memorize this to now apply this in six different situations. Um, and I'm like, okay, what? this is the question I have for myself that I need to think about. It's like, what can I do to better prepare them for that transition? And I think this happens naturally because I'm pretty direct with the first year students because I'm like, okay, here's why we're doing this and here's the ultimate goal. But then they also become kind of reliant on that and then when they move to upper division level classes, they're not making those connections themselves. Mm. And they're still expecting me to make the connections. So I try to make as, as many connections as, or as few as connections as I have to for them to right. follow. Um, but I'm just, I mean, I guess from a student's perspective, what could college professors maybe, especially during those first two semesters, really do to help facilitate making those connections and figuring out that process faster so that, you know, maybe you could have stuck with your original major if you wanted to at the end or right. whatever. Um, I, I think really just the, I don't think it's the fault of, of the professors. Oh, it's not my fault. I just not fault. Bad phrasing, but I mean, yeah. um, I don't know if there's necessarily something that you can do that would be like a, an immediate impact. It's just the, the rigor when you get to that level is something that you think, oh, well, you know, in high school, like I had a job and, it, you know, three club, uh, it was part of three clubs, and the only time I had off was on Thursdays after school, and I would take a nap for four hours to try and catch up on my sleep for the whole week. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, college will be easy because I don't have any time as is, so this will be, you know, perfectly fine. And then you get to college, and wow, I do have more time, but it's really, really freaking hard because there's so much more work involved that requires you to think. And I think that expectation um, for kids when they get to college is they don't, they think they just get in and do the work, I think, but they don't really know that they have to kind of think about the actual work that they're doing. And also mm -hmm. there's, I mean, in my experience, there was no incentive to do the, the reading prior to going to classes besides okay, it's the sign, make sure you do it, but there's no, like, worksheet to there's check, no, you know. Yeah, there's no follow-through on that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the big key is the, the follow-through is probably the most important thing that you need to do as a student before you get to lecture is you got to have the reading done. you got to have the work that was, you know, expected of you. Um, you know, no one's going to come in and see if you read it, but it's going to show when whether it's the test you take for that class or, you know, several uh, classes later where you don't have those foundational pieces. Mm -hmm. And, um, right. I mean, I don't know how you would capture that with, you know, a first-year student who still, you know, has their rose-colored glasses on and they well, think they can conquer the world, which you still want to, you know, capture and foster that, you know, uh, mindset. But also I, I think a more realist approach would have would been better, like, so I think maybe the first day of class is, you know, welcome, congratulations for being here. Uh, be prepared to work. Yeah. I don't think anybody really told me that, uh, at least not until, like, my second year or so when, yeah. you know, the essays started getting longer and the, the research started, you know, becoming more extensive. So, Melody, um, you had a you had thought? Yeah, well, I guess my question is, would you have believed your first-year writing professor if they had said, get ready, prepared to work? 
I mean, because my students, they act like, and I tell them, like, hey, this is actually really difficult, and they still don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, you need to put in... I mean, you've done your due diligence, right? Yeah. So I feel like I I try to give them enough warnings. I'm like, this is deceptively hard. You think it's going to be easy to write a one-paragraph summary of this chapter. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be very difficult. Do not wait until the day before peer review to get it done. And then inevitably, that was really hard. I was like, I told you. Yeah. (sighs) It's hard to say because, I mean, what I knew my you know, second year, third year, fourth year, after I graduated at what I know now um, is only because I went through those experiences and that's the whole part of college is really the experience yeah. and, what, you know, the tools that you gain from it. Um, I mean, give everybody a time machine and say, okay, here's the work, uh, <laughs> come back to me with, you know, in three years and then you'll do better because, you know, oh, yeah, uh, our professors are right. We do have to do the work. We do have to... Uh, ourselves we do have to uh, make sure we read all three chapters before we come to class um, instead of just kind of approaching it in a formulaic way I guess I don't know that's it's a hard one and I think maybe that is just it maybe the process is you have to fall on your face a few times in order to figure it out and there's nothing I can say or do or nothing student I mean you're saying maybe that's just it maybe that's just how it goes there's probably a couple things you can try to help them along as always he just said it wasn't on me (laughs) as always there's you have to do the work that's the thing so I mean there's a couple things I try to do to help my students one is that in my one uh, in astronomy 101 and in in my calculus based physics they have pre-classed questions they have to answer mm-hmm. based on the reading uh, which then there are points attached to them and it's automatically scored which is m- maybe not the best but it's you know we, we got to get through them, and so they have to have done it before class starts. It gives starts. them accountability for having to do stuff before they actually walk through the door. Right. So they can't walk in with, like, nothing. Right, yeah. And the other thing that uh, I, I tried to, that I instituted with my calculus-based physics is that I have them submit exam questions before the exam. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, well, how do, I get, how do I get them to think through? And so part of, yeah. I'm thinking of Bloom's taxonomy, and the beginning is just, like, remember Right. And then apply. And so those first two levels are really what we're talking about in terms of kind of road or using a process with an equation. And as you get up there, there's, there's create. And that doesn't mean PhD new, brand new knowledge, but rather can you write an appropriate exam question? Can you create an exam question that you have not read, that you're not just taking something and swapping numbers into, but are you thinking through how to use the equations and the concepts to develop a question? And in that is it forced you have to you have to move up all of the stuff to get to that top level and so i have like if you write exam questions and they're good i'll use them yeah that makes sense. that's the deal i make with them so you would think would everyone's just going to ace the exam <laughs> no one's aced the exam i mean that has been a couple of people ace the exam but they're like really good students who do that you know it's it's uh it's surprising how even though they have developed their own Facebook group for sharing their problems, mm. and I have I them pre- and I have them present their problems. So like yeah. if we have a re- the review day, it's like, hey, present the problem that you wrote. You know, then I'll take it. Sometimes I'll change it to make it more realistic, or I'll tweak it a little bit. But for the most part, they've seen almost all of the concepts and the processes that have gone through that that they have created, uh, and it, and I'm just adjusting it a little bit and they are much more engaged 
and they're much more engaged with what the problems are and in trying to come up with problems. You're um, helping me. Can I ask, do you guys have discussion section components of your uh, classes? Really? Uh, or I guess, how big are the, the classes? Uh, we don't need discussion sections because our classes are small. Yeah, we're, we're a small college, so I my class has, the calculus-based physics has seven people in it. Oh, okay, wow. So it's me. I do all the grading, too, which is all another thing is, like, I can't do... You're like, oh, you do these 20 problems over the course of the week, I'm like, I would die. <laughs> I would right. die. And that doesn't really help, though, in the long run, right? Because you're just you're just doing work. Right. Break, I mean, it, you know? that sort of understand and, and, you know, execute kind of levels, like, you need to start there so you can't jump up. But, yeah, I mean, like... If you do a few of them and you got it, I don't need to do the the next seventeen or whatever it is. Yeah, and I think I think that's the biggest component in uh, college that you have is uh, discussing the concepts and just being able right. to just talk about yeah. stuff. You know, that's relevant to the course. Where you know, in, in high school, it's I mean, a lot of times it's just okay, do the work. Okay, take the test. Rinse and repeat next week. You know, right? Um, or you you study about uh, World War II and, you know, who were the, the aggressors and, you know, who, who decided with who, and um, that's it. We don't talk about kind of the dynamics of maybe why it happened. Yeah. Right, or, I only could talk about what, what was it, whatever the treaty was that basically led to Germany being totally slammed post-World right. War One, and therefore that's why it all happened, yeah. <laughs> because of reparations, right. you know, it's like we... Yeah. It's just dates and, and locations. Yeah, for me, one of the, when shifting to kind of the, the political science, I mean, I can obviously say most about this, um, and relating it to high school, is, you know, there's a, a lot, uh, there's a historical component a lot of times because you have these theories when you're talking about, um, let's just say, uh, why wars break out, um, war strategy when it comes to diplomacy. Um, and... In high school, World War II is just a, a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Or World War One was a thing, or the Cuban Missile Crisis was just an event that happened. We didn't understand the dynamics behind it. So it was like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, for whatever reason, a lot of people were had this uh, high interest when it came to World War II. I don't know why. Maybe it's because there's a lot of video games that came out at the time of World War II. <laughs> but anyways, you get to college, and then all of a sudden you're talking about... Um, kind of the strategy behind it or why certain countries did what they did um, and also you know more of a, a, a human aspect to it um, and why like in the Cuban Missile Crisis why uh, was the Soviet Union willing to back down or why was JFK you know his threats to the Soviet Union why did they actually have power behind it instead of just like being words in high school they were just words and it was a thing that happened but in right. college you get there and you're like there's actually some real strategic planning that went behind that and all of a sudden these events that you knew about become these real living things that all of a sudden you're like oh well like in the cuban missile crisis maybe you know you can relate it to current events and then all of a sudden it's this very fascinating topic that's kind of this living breathing thing instead of this static thing on you know paper yes. and that was once I think certain professors captured that whole notion, that's when I was like, "Wow, that's fascinating." Yeah, yeah, yeah that does like it. Be, it go, moves from being a chronology to motivations. Yeah, 
Well, I, I remember um, my, I took a, uh, I think it was, it was, it was called a, a solar systems class, the, the GE class, the astronomy class, I guess. Nice. And, uh, you know, the whole idea with uh, air resistance, I think, you know, the, the feather and the, and the hammer and, mm. you know, you drop both and, you know, the, oh. the feather, you know, is fluttering on down to the floor. On the moon they hit at the same time. Right. It's so, um these two vacuum tubes uh, and releases both and they both drop and he said nothing that's how he started the class and you learn about it right you you, you talk about how you know gravity has and I'm not a, a physics major but from what I recall um, it has no different uh, different effect on mass right when it comes to uh, I guess right your acceleration is the same for all, all masses yeah. um, and so you're like, okay, fine, whatever. But then you see it happen. And I remember everyone was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It totally violates your intuition. Yeah. You know, here on Earth. And you, it just, and that was like, I think, the second lecture. Um, and everyone was like, whoa. And then I was hooked. Uh, that's what's always kind of, um, that sparked my interest in kind of space and uh, other galaxies and whatnot. Um, but, uh and that kind of, at one point, I was like, oh, maybe I'll become a physics major. And then, uh, you know, I stopped the math major, and I said, well, if I can't do math, I can't do physics. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so, you know, there's those, like, moments of pure intrigue that happen or yeah. um, that captures, like, the imagination that the kids still have. I think that was, like, those are the classes that were really memorable to me. And, like, I, you know, gained something from those, I guess. That makes sense. Did you have a thought, Melody? I had a thought. I was going to try to relate what you were saying to writing. Uh, that's what I teach. I don't know if you know that. Um, which is kind of difficult. It's different from kind of what you guys are talking about. Because it's while you do have some sort of formulaic things like the five-paragraph essay or whatever, right. uh, we have to expand beyond that. And I do try to complicate writing situations by making them very specific and those kinds of things. But I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to fit all this together. I, I took... Um... So there's two components that you had to have before you graduated um, when it came to writing. There's a writing one and writing two component um, before you could graduate from, I think, from all the UCs. Yeah, that's uh, true. Anyway, so I took a, over the summer at UC Davis, I took the writing two component. And it was a class of maybe like 30 kids. And that was my most memorable um, writing class of any kind, or, or English or literature. I, I don't know how you would classify it, but I think what captured my, like, imagination at that time was the writing was still very formulaic, but we had the freedom to kind of write about what are, um, like, topics of interest that we wanted to, to write about, and we would have these um, debates in class. We, I wish I knew the, uh, the not the novel, but the the book we read, a piece of nonfiction about this guy who, gosh, this is, wow, made, I feel really old trying to recall <laughs> this stuff. Um, anyway, he builds, I think, like schools um, in the, um, the Himalayan region tea? in Pakistan. Is it three um, cups of tea? What was that? Three cups of tea. I think that's what it that's is. That's what it and is. They hike K2 or something. something oh, maybe like that's that. another book. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like that one. Anyway, so we have a debate, and, and he has this nonprofit, and, and you know, you read his his 
book and it's his perspective. And uh, you're like, wow, this guy's amazing. You know, he, he's doing, you know, all these things for these people um, and it's very altruistic and there's nothing wrong at all. Cool. And then, and then you read the other book that's the, I guess, the rebuttal to it all. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this guy's, this organization actually isn't that well run. Um, the motives still seem to be pretty good, but, you know, it's not as amazing as we thought. And so then we debate, you know, split the classroom into two, uh, argue your point of, um, what was it, knowing what you know about his organization, would you still keep running it? Or something along the lines of that. Mm-hmm. And we went for the class, I think, two hours long, so we went for two hours, and we just, everyone contributed. And that was like, wow, the power of, like, to persuade, like, you know, a group of people and, like, using what you've read to, like, create an argument was, like, really powerful. And, like, seeing it, like, jump off of the paper and, you know, my thing was, well, would you rather have a microwave that never works or not have a microwave at all or a microwave that works 50% of the time? You know, at least 50% of the time your popcorn will be popped. So the organization, well, at least 50% of the time the schools will be built or whatnot, um, amongst these other things. And for whatever reason, that was the sticking point. We won on our side. Not very compelling, if you ask me, looking back on it later. But um, it was just, it was fun because you, you read all this stuff and, you know, and then you kind of argue it, uh, you know, face to face. And then a week later, then we, we wrote about it. Um, so it was this whole process. Um, and then we, you know, we kind of had the grasp of the writing, and then, you know, we went on the, the term paper was, you know, topic of our choice relative re- related to our major. Um, but I don't know. I, that class really sticks out. I, I think it's just a component of being able to kind of debate, and it wasn't writing, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was a lot of fun, and that was just really cool to see everyone's reactions, and like people got very passionate about, you know, um, whatever side they were on, and so that was just a really really neat thing that we did in that class. Yeah, Will, I, we're, I think, out of yeah, time. Yeah, I have to go to class. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Coming Will, up on 42 minutes here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us. It was, Thank you very was a pleasure. much. Sorry if I rambled on about Oh, no. You know, I think what I you said was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this was fun. Yeah, yeah. totally. So, listeners, if you have a question for us, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D, or send me an email, peter.o.hyland at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. All right, bye. Thank you.